I took my father's sword from his corpse and ran. I ran and ran until I couldn't run anymore at the foothills of the White Fang Mountains. And that's when I collapsed at the campfire of a witch, one of the Iron Teeth. I didn't care if she killed me, but she told me that it was not my fate to die there, that I should journey south to the silent assassins in the Red Desert, and there, there I would find my fate. She fed me and bound my bleeding feet and gave me gold, gold that I later used to commission my armor, then sent me on my way. Ansel wiped at her eyes, so I've been here ever since, training for the day when I'm strong enough and fast enough to return to Briarcliff and take back what is mine. Someday, I'll march into High King Locke's Hall and repay him for what he did to my family. With my father's sword, her hand grazed the wolf head hilt. This sword will end his life, because this sword is all I have left of them. Selena hadn't realized she was crying until she tried to take a deep breath. Saying that she was sorry didn't feel adequate. She knew what this sort of loss was like, and words didn't do anything at all. Ansel slowly turned to look at her, her eyes lined with silver. She traced Selena's cheekbone, where the bruises had once been. Where do men find it in themselves to do such monstrous things? How do they find it acceptable? We'll make them pay for it in the end. Selena grasped Ansel's hand. The girl squeezed back hard. We'll see to it that they pay. Yes. Ansel shifted her gaze back to the stars. Yes, we will. Chapter 7 Selena and Ansel knew their little escapade with the Asterian horses would have consequences. Selena had at least expected to have enough time to tell a decent lie about how they acquired the horses. But when they returned to the fortress and found Mikhail waiting, along with three other assassins, she knew that word of their stunt had somehow already reached the master. She kept her mouth shut as she and Ansel knelt at the foot of the master's dais, heads bowed, eyes on the floor. She certainly wouldn't convince him to train her now. His receiving chamber was empty today, and each of his steps scraped softly against the floor. She knew he could be silent if he wished. He wanted them to feel the dread of his approach. And Selena felt it. She felt each footstep, the phantom bruises on her face throbbing with the memory of Arobin's fists. And suddenly, as the memory of that day echoed through her, she remembered the words Sam kept screaming at Arobin as the King of Assassins beat her, the words that she somehow had forgotten in the fog of pain. I'll kill you! Sam had said it like he meant it. He'd bellowed it. Again and again and again. The clear, unexpected memory was almost jarring enough for her to forget where she was. But then the snow-white robes of the master came into view. Her mouth went dry. We only wanted to have some fun. Ansel said quietly. We can return the horses. Selena, head still lowered, glanced toward Ansel. She was staring up at the master as he towered over them. I'm sorry, Selena murmured, wishing she could convey it with her hands, too. Though silence might have been preferable, 
She needed him to hear her apology. The master just stood there. Ansel was the first to break under his stare. She sighed. I know it was foolish, but there's nothing to worry about. I can handle Lord Barrick. I've been handling him for ages. There was enough bitterness in her words that Selena's brows rose slightly. Perhaps his refusal to train her wasn't easy for Ansel to bear. She was never outright competitive about getting the master's attention, but after so many years of living here, being stuck as the mediator between the master and Barrick didn't exactly seem like the sort of glory Ansel was interested in. Selena certainly wouldn't have enjoyed it. The master's clothes whispered as they moved, and Selena flinched when she felt his calloused fingers hook under her chin. He lifted her head, so she was forced to look at him, his face lined with disapproval. She remained perfectly still, bracing herself for the strike, already praying he wouldn't damage her too significantly. But then the master's sea-green eyes narrowed ever so slightly, and he gave her a sad smile as he released her. Her face burned. He hadn't been about to hit her. He'd wanted her to look at him, to tell her side of the story. But even if he wasn't going to strike her, he might still punish them. And if he kicked out Ansel for what they'd done, Ansel needed to be here to learn all that these assassins could teach her, because Ansel wanted to do something with her life. Ansel had a purpose. And Selena. It was my idea, Selena blurted her words too loud in the empty chamber. I didn't feel like walking back here, and I thought it would be useful to have horses. And when I saw the Asterian mares, I thought we might as well travel in style. She gave him a shaky half-grin, and the master's brows rose as he looked between them. For a long, long moment, he just watched them. Whatever he saw on Ansel's face suddenly made him nod. Ansel quickly bowed her head. Before you decide on a punishment, she turned to Selena, then looked back at the master. Since we like horses so much, maybe we could be on stable duty? For the morning shift, until Selena leaves. Selena almost choked, but she schooled her features into neutrality. A faint glimmer of amusement shone in his eyes, and he considered Ansel's words for a moment. Then he nodded again. Ansel loosened a breath. Thank you for your lenience, she said. The master glanced toward the doors behind them. They were dismissed. Ansel got to her feet, and Selena followed suit. But as Selena turned, the master grabbed her arm. Ansel paused to watch as the master made a few motions with his hand. When he finished, Ansel's brows rose. He repeated the motions again, slower, pointing to Selena repeatedly. When it seemed she was certain she understood him, Ansel turned to Selena. You're to report to him at sunset tomorrow for your first lesson. Selena bit back her sigh of relief and gave the master a genuine grin. He returned a hint of a smile. She bowed deeply and couldn't stop smiling as she and Ansel left the hall and headed to the stables. She had three and a half weeks left. That would be more than enough time to get that letter. Whatever he had seen in her face, whatever she had said, somehow, 
she'd proven herself to him at last. It turned out that they weren't just responsible for shoveling horse dung. Oh, no. They were responsible for cleaning the pens of all the four-legged livestock in the fortress, a task that took them from breakfast until noon. At least they did it in the morning, before the afternoon heat really made the smell atrocious. Another benefit was that they didn't have to go running, though after four hours of shoveling animal droppings, Selena would have begged to take the six-mile run instead. Anxious as she was to be out of the stables, she couldn't contain her growing trepidation as the sun arced across the sky, heading toward sunset. She didn't know what to expect. Even Ansel had no idea what the master might have in mind. They spent the afternoon sparring as usual, with each other and with whatever assassins wandered into the shade of the open-air training courtyard. And when the sun finally hovered near the horizon, Ansel gave Selena a squeeze on the shoulder and sent her to the master's hall. But the master wasn't in his receiving hall, and when she ran into Alias, he just gave her his usual smile and pointed toward the roof. After taking a few staircases and then climbing a wooden ladder and squeezing through a hatch in the ceiling, she found herself in the open air, high atop the fortress. The master stood by the parapet, gazing across the desert. She cleared her throat, but he remained with his back to her. The roof couldn't have been more than twenty square feet, and the only thing on it was a covered reed basket placed in the center. Torches burned, illuminating the rooftop. Selena cleared her throat again, and the master finally turned. She bowed, which, strangely, was something she felt he actually deserved, rather than something she ought to do. He gave her a nod and pointed to the reed basket, beckoning her to open the lid. Doing her best not to look skeptical, hoping there was a beautiful new weapon inside, she approached. She stopped when she heard the hissing. Unpleasant, don't come closer hissing. From inside the basket, she turned to the master, who hopped onto one of the Merlins, his bare feet dangling in the gap between one block of stone and the next, and beckoned her again. Palms sweating, Selena took a deep breath and snatched back the lid. A black asp curled into itself, head drawn back low as it hissed. Selena leapt away a yard, making for the parapet wall, but the master let out a low click of his tongue. His hands moved, flowing and winding through the air like a river, like a snake. Observe it, he seemed to tell her. Move with it. She looked back at the basket in time to see the slender black head of the asp slide over the rim, then down to the tiled roof. Her heart thundered in her chest. It was poisonous, wasn't it? It had to be. It looked poisonous. The snake slithered across the roof, and Selena inched back from it, not daring to look away for even a heartbeat. She reached for a dagger, but the master again clicked his tongue. A glance in his direction was enough for her to understand the meaning of the sound. Don't kill it. Absorb. The snake moved effortlessly, lazily and tasted the evening air with its black tongue. With a deep, steadying breath, Selena observed. 
She spent every night that week on the roof with the asp, watching it, copying its movements, internalizing its rhythm and sounds until she could move like it moved, until they could face each other and she could anticipate how it would lunge, until she could strike like the asp, swift and unflinching. After that, she spent three days dangling from the rafters of the fortress stables with the bats. It took her longer to figure out their strengths. How they became so silent that no one noticed they were there. How they could drown out the external noise and focus only on the sound of their prey. And after that, it was two nights spent with jackrabbits on the dunes, learning their stillness, absorbing how they used their speed and dexterity to evade talons and claws, how they slept above ground to better hear their enemies approaching. Night after night, the master watched from nearby, never saying a word, never doing anything except occasionally pointing out how an animal moved. As the remaining weeks passed, she saw Ansel only during meals and for the few hours they spent each morning shoveling manure. And after a long night spent sprinting or hanging upside down or running sideways to see why crabs bothered moving like that, Selena was usually in no mood to talk. But Ansel was merry, almost gleeful, more and more with every passing day. She never said why exactly, but Selena found it rather infectious. And every day, Selena went to sleep after lunch and dozed until the sun went down, her dreams full of snakes and rabbits and chirping desert beetles. Sometimes she spotted Mikhail training the acolytes or found Elias meditating in an empty training room. But she rarely got the chance to spend time with them. They had no more attacks from Lord Beric, either. Whatever Ansel had said during that meeting with him in Zandria, Whatever the master's letter had contained, it seemed to have worked, even after the theft of his horses. There were quiet moments also, when she wasn't training or toiling with Ansel. Moments when her thoughts drifted back to Sam, to what he'd said. He'd threatened to kill Arobin, for hurting her. She tried to work through it, tried to figure out what had changed in Skull's Bay, to make Sam dare say such a thing to the King of the Assassins. But whenever she caught herself thinking about it too much, she shoved those thoughts into the back of her mind. Chapter 8 You mean to tell me you do this every day? Ansel said, her brows high on her forehead, as Selena brushed rouge onto the girl's cheeks. Sometimes twice a day. Selena said, and Ansel opened an eye. They were sitting on Selena's bed, a scattering of cosmetics between them, a small fraction of Selena's enormous collection back in Rifthold. Besides being useful for my work, it's fun. Fun? Ansel opened her other eye. Smearing all this gunk on your face is fun? Selena set down her pot of rouge. If you don't shut up, I'll draw a mustache on you. Ansel's lips twitched, but she closed her eyes again as Selena raised the little container of bronze powder and dusted some on her eyelids. Well, it is my birthday and Midsummer Eve, Ansel said, her eyelashes fluttering beneath the tickle of Selena's delicate brush. We so rarely get to have fun. 
I suppose I should look nice. Ansel always looked nice. Better than nice, actually. But Selena didn't need to tell her that. At a minimum, at least you don't smell like horse droppings. Ansel let out a breathy chuckle. The air warm on Selena's hands as they hovered near her face. She kept quiet while Selena finished with the powder, then held still as she lined her eyes with coal and darkened her lashes. All right, Selena said, sitting back so she could see Ansel's face. Open. Ansel opened her eyes, and Selena frowned. What? Ansel said. Selena shook her head. You're going to have to wash it all off. Why? Because you look better than I do. Ansel pinched Selena's arm. Selena pinched her back, laughter on her lips. But then, the single remaining week that Selena had left loomed before her, brief and unforgiving, and her chest tightened at the thought of leaving. She hadn't even dared to ask the master for her letter yet. But more than that, well... She'd never had a female friend, never really had any friends. And somehow, the thought of returning to Rifthold without Ansel was a tad unbearable. The Midsummer Eve festival was nothing like Selena had ever experienced. She'd expected music and drinking and laughter. But instead, the assassins gathered in the largest of the fortress courtyards, and all of them, including Ansel, were totally silent. The moon provided the only light, silhouetting the date trees swaying along the courtyard walls. But the strangest part was the dancing. Even though there was no music, most of the people danced, some of the dances foreign and strange, some of them familiar. Everyone was smiling. But aside from the rustle of clothing and the scrape of merry feet against the stones, there was no sound. But there was wine. And she and Ansel found a table in a corner of the courtyard and fully indulged themselves. Though she loved, loved, loved parties, Selena would rather have spent the night training with the master. With only one week left, she wanted to spend every waking moment working with him. But he'd insisted she go to the party, if only because he wanted to go to the party. The old man danced to a rhythm Selena could not hear or make out, and looked more like someone's benevolent clumsy grandfather than the master of some of the world's greatest assassins. She couldn't help but think of Arobin, who was all calculated grace and restrained aggression. Arobin, who danced with a select few, and whose smile was razor sharp. Mikhail had dragged Ansel to the dancing, and she was grinning as she twirled and bobbed and bounced from partner to partner, all of the assassins now keeping the same silent beat. Ansel had experienced such horror, and yet she was still so carefree, so keenly alive. Mikhail caught her in his arms and dipped her, low enough for Ansel's eyes to widen. Mikhail truly liked Ansel, that much was obvious. He always found excuses to touch her, always smiled at her, always looked at her as if she were the only person in the room. Selena sloshed the wine around in her glass. If she were being honest, sometimes she thought Sam looked at her that way. But then he'd go and say something absurd or try to undermine her, 
and she'd chide herself for even thinking that about him. Her stomach tightened. What had Arobin done to him that night? She should have inquired after him. But in the days afterward, she'd been so busy, so wrapped in her rage, she hadn't dared look for him, actually. Because if Arobin had hurt Sam the way he'd hurt her, if he'd hurt Sam worse than that. Selena drained the rest of her wine. During the two days after she'd awoken from her beating, she'd used a good chunk of her savings to purchase her own apartment, away and well hidden from the assassin's keep. She hadn't told anyone, partially because she was worried she might change her mind while she was away. But with each day here, with each lesson with the master, she was more and more resolved to tell Arobin she was moving out. She was actually eager to see the look on his face. She still owed him money, of course. He'd seen to it that her debts would keep her with him for a while. But there was no rule that said she had to live with him. And if he ever laid a hand on her again. If Arobin ever laid a hand on her or Sam again, she'd see to it that he lost that hand. Actually, she'd see to it that he lost everything up to the elbow. Someone touched her shoulder, and Selena looked up from her empty wine goblet to find Ilya standing behind her. She hadn't seen much of him in the past few days, aside from at dinner, where he still glanced at her and gave her those lovely smiles. He offered his hand. Selena's face instantly warmed, and she shook her head, trying her best to convey a sense of not knowing these dances. Ilias shrugged, his eyes bright, his hand remained extended. She bit her lip and glanced pointedly at his feet. Ilias shrugged again, this time as if to suggest that his toes weren't all that valuable anyway. Selena glanced at Mikhail and Ansel, spinning wildly to a beat only the two of them could hear. Ilias raised his brows. Live a little Sardothian? Ansel had said that the day they stole the horses. Why not live a little tonight, too? Selena gave him a dramatic shrug and took his hand, tossing a wry smile his way. I suppose I could spare a dance or two, she wanted to say. Even though there was no music, Ilias led her through the dances with ease, each of his movements sure and steady. It was hard to look away, not just from his face, but also from the contentment that radiated from him. And he looked back at her so intently that she had to wonder if he'd been watching her all these weeks not only to protect his father. They danced until well after midnight. Wild dances that weren't at all like the waltzes she'd learned in Rifthold. Even when she switched partners, Ilias was always there, waiting for the next dance. It was almost as intoxicating as the oddity of dancing to no music, to hearing a collective silent rhythm, to letting the wind and the sighing sand outside the fortress provide the beat and the melody. It was lovely and strange. And as the hours passed, she often wondered if she'd strayed into some dream. When the moon was setting, Selena found herself leaving the dance floor, doing her best to convey how exhausted she was. It wasn't a lie. Her feet hurt, and she hadn't a proper night's rest in weeks and weeks. Ilias tried pulling her back onto the floor for one last dance, but she nimbly slipped out of his grasp 
grinning as she shook her head. Ansel and Mikhail were still dancing, holding each other closer than any other pair on the dance floor. Not wanting to interrupt her friend, Selena left the hall, Ilias in tow. She couldn't deny that her racing heartbeat wasn't just from the dancing as they walked down the empty hall. Ilias strode beside her, silent as ever, and she swallowed tightly. What would he say? That is, if he could speak. If he knew that Otterlin's assassin had never been kissed. She'd killed men, freed slaves, stolen horses, but she'd never kissed anyone. It was ridiculous somehow. Something that she should have gotten out of the way at some point. But she'd never found the right person. All too quickly, they were standing outside the door to her room. Selena didn't touch the door handle and tried to calm her breathing as she turned to face Ilias. He was smiling. Maybe he didn't mean to kiss her. His room was, after all, just a few doors down. Well, she said. After so many hours of silence, the word was jarringly loud. Her face burned. He stepped closer, and she tried not to flinch as he slipped a hand around her waist. It would be so simple to kiss him, she realized. His other hand slid against her neck, his thumb caressing her jaw as he gently tilted her head back. Her blood pounded through every inch of her. Her lips parted, but as Ilias inclined his head, she went rigid and stepped back. He immediately withdrew, his brows crossed with concern. She wanted to seep into the stones and disappear. I'm sorry, she said thickly, trying not to look too mortified. I, I can't. I mean, I'm leaving in a week, and, and you live here, and I'm in Rifthold, so... She was babbling. She should stop. Actually, she should just stop talking forever. But if he sensed her mortification, he didn't show it. Instead, he bowed his head and squeezed her shoulder. Then he gave her one of those shrugs, which she interpreted to mean, if only we didn't live thousands of miles apart. But can you blame me for trying? With that, he strode the few feet to his room. He gave her a friendly wave before disappearing inside. Alone in the hallway, Selena watched the shadows cast by the torches. It hadn't been the mere impossibility of a relationship with Ilias that had made her pull away. No, it was the memory of Sam's face that had stopped her from kissing him. Ansel didn't come back to their room that night, and when she stumbled into the stables the following morning, still wearing her clothes from the party, Selena could assume she'd either spent the whole night dancing or with Mikhail. From the flush on Ansel's freckled cheeks, Selena thought it might be both. Ansel took one look at the grin on Selena's face and glowered. Don't you even start. Selena shoveled a heap of manure into the nearby wagon. Later, she'd cart it to the gardens, where it would be used for fertilizer. What? Selena said, grinning even wider. I wasn't going to say anything. Ansel snatched her shovel from where it leaned against the wooden wall, several pens down from where Casita and Hisley now had their new homes. Good. I got enough of it from the others while I was walking here. Selena leaned against her shovel in the open gate. 
I'm sure Mikhail will get his fair share of teasing, too. Ansel straightened, her eyes surprisingly dark. No, he won't. They'll congratulate him, just like they always do, for a conquest well made. She let out a long sigh from her nose. But me? I'll get teased until I snap at them. It's always the same. They continued their work in silence. After a moment, Selena spoke. Even though they tease you, you still want to be with Mikhail? Ansel shrugged again, flinging dung into the pile she'd gathered into the wagon. He's an amazing warrior. He's taught me far more than I would have learned without him. So they can tease me all they want. But at the end of the day, he's still the one giving me extra attention when we train. That didn't sit well with Selena, but she opted to keep her mouth shut. Besides, Ansel said, glancing sidelong at Selena. Not all of us can so easily convince the master to train us. Selena's stomach twisted a little. Was Ansel jealous of that? I'm not entirely sure why he changed his mind. Oh? Ansel said, sharper than Selena had ever heard her. It scared her, surprisingly. The noble, clever, beautiful assassin from the North, the great Selena Sardothian, has no idea why he'd want to train her? No idea that he might want to leave his mark on you, too? To have a hand in shaping your glorious fate? Selena's throat tightened, and she cursed herself for feeling so hurt by the words. She didn't think the master felt that way at all, but she still hissed, Yes, my glorious fate, shoveling dung in a barn, a worthy task for me. But certainly a worthy task for a girl from the Flatlands. I didn't say that, Selena said through her teeth. Don't put words in my mouth. Why not? I know you think it, and you know I'm telling the truth. I'm not good enough for the master to train me. I began seeing Mikhail to get extra attention during lessons, and I certainly don't have a notorious name to flaunt around. Fine, Selena said. Yes, most of the people in the kingdoms know my name, know to fear me. Her temper rose with dizzying speed. But you? You want to know the truth about you, Ansel? The truth is, even if you go home and get what you want, no one will give a damn if you take back your speck of territory. No one will even hear about it because no one except for you will even care. She regretted the words the instant they left her mouth. Ansel's face went white with anger, and her lips trembled as she pressed them together. Ansel threw down her shovel. For a moment, Selena thought that she'd attack, and even went as far as slightly bending her knees in anticipation of a fight. But Ansel stalked past her and said, You're just a spoiled, selfish bitch. With that, she left Selena to finish their morning chores. Chapter 9 Selena couldn't focus on her lesson with the master that night. All day, Ansel's words had been ringing in her ears. She hadn't seen her friend for hours, and dreaded the moment when she'd have to return to her room and face her again. Though Selena hated to admit it, Ansel's parting claim had felt true. She was spoiled and selfish. The master snapped his fingers, and Selena, who was yet again studying an asp, looked up. 
though she'd been mirroring the snake's movements. She hadn't noticed it was slowly creeping toward her. She leapt back a few feet, crouching close to the roof's wall, but stopped when she felt the master's hand on her shoulder. He motioned to leave the snake be and sit beside him on the merlins that ran around the roof. Grateful for a break, she hopped up, trying not to glance down at the ground far, far below. Though she was well acquainted with heights and had no problems with balance, sitting on an edge never really felt natural. The master raised his eyebrows. Talk, he seemed to say. She tucked her left foot under her right thigh, making sure to keep an eye on the asp, which slithered into the shadows of the roof. But telling him about her fight with Ansel felt so childish. As if the master of the silent assassins would want to hear about a petty squabble. Cicadas buzzed in the trees of the keep. And somewhere in the gardens, a nightingale sang her lament. Talk. Talk about what? She didn't have anything to say, so they sat on the parapet in silence for a while, until even the cicadas went to sleep, and the moon slipped away behind them, and the sky began to brighten. Talk. Talk about what had been haunting her these months, haunting every thought, every dream, every breath. Talk. I'm scared to go home, she said at last staring out at the dunes beyond the walls. The pre-dawn light was bright enough for her to see the master's brows rise. Why? Because everything will be different. Everything is already different. I think everything changed when Arobin punished me, but some part of me still thinks that the world will go back to the way it was before that night, before I went to Skull's Bay. The master's eyes shone like emeralds, compassionate, sorrowful. I'm not sure I want it to go back to the way it was before, she admitted. And I think, I think that's what scares me the most. The master smiled at her reassuringly, then rolled his neck and stretched his arms over his head before standing atop the merlin. Selena tensed, unsure if she should follow, but the master didn't look at her as he began a series of movements, graceful and winding, as elegant as a dance and deadly as the asp that lurked on the roof. The asp. Watching the master, she could see each of the qualities she had copied for the past few weeks. The contained power and swiftness, the cunning and the smooth restraint. He went through the motions again, and it took only a glance in her direction to get her to her feet atop the parapet wall. Mindful of her balance, she slowly copied him, her muscles singing with the rightness of the movements. She grinned as night after night of careful observation and mimicry clicked into place. Again and again, the sweep and curve of her arm, the twisting of her torso, even the rhythm of her breathing. Again and again until she became the asp, until the sun broke over the horizon, bathing them in red light. Again and again, until there was nothing left but the master and her, as they greeted the new day. An hour after sunup, Selena crept into her room, bracing herself for another fight, 
but found Ansel already gone to the stables. Since Ansel had abandoned her to do the chores by herself yesterday, Selena decided to return the favor. She sighed with contentment as she collapsed atop her bed. She was later awoken by someone shaking her shoulder, someone who smelled like manure. It had better be afternoon, Selena said, rolling onto her stomach and burying her face in her pillow. Ansel chuckled. Oh, it's almost dinner, and the stables and pens are in good order, no thanks to you. You left me to do it all yesterday, Selena mumbled. Yes, well, I'm sorry. Selena peeled her face from the pillow to look at Ansel, who stood over the bed. Ansel twisted her hands. She was wearing her armor again. At the sight of it, Selena winced as she recalled what she'd said about her friend's homeland. Ansel tucked her red hair behind her ears. I shouldn't have said those things about you. I don't think you're spoiled or selfish. Oh, don't worry, I am, very much so. Selena sat up. Ansel gave her a weak smile. But, she went on, I'm sorry for what I said, too. I didn't mean it. Ansel nodded, glancing toward the shut door, as if she expected someone to be there. I had lots of friends here, but you're the first true friend I've had. I'll be sorry to see you go. I still have five days, Selena said. Given how popular Ansel was, it was surprising and somewhat relieving to hear that she'd also felt slightly alone. Ansel flicked her eyes to the door again. What was she nervous about? Try to remember me fondly, will you? I'll try, but it might be hard. Ansel let out a quiet laugh and took two goblets from the table beneath the window. I brought us some wine. She handed one to Selena. Ansel lifted her copper goblet. To make an amends and fond memories. To being the most fearsome and imposing girls the world has ever seen. Selena raised her goblet high before she drank. And as she swallowed a large mouthful of wine, she had two thoughts. The first was that Ansel's eyes were now filled with unmasked sorrow. And the second, which explained the first, was that the wine tasted strange. But Selena didn't have time to consider what poison it was before she heard her own goblet clatter to the floor, and the world spun and went black. Chapter 10 Someone was hammering against an anvil somewhere, very, very close to her head. So close that she felt each beat in her body, the sound shattering through her mind, stirring her from sleep. With a jolt, Selena sat up. There was no hammer and no anvil, just a pounding headache. And there was no assassin's fortress, only endless miles of red dunes and Casita standing watch over her. Well, at least she wasn't dead. Cursing, she got to her feet. What had Ansel done? The moon illuminated enough of the desert for her to see that the assassin's fortress was nowhere in sight, and that Casita's saddlebags were full of her belongings, except for her sword. She searched and searched, but it wasn't there. Selena reached for one of her two long daggers, but stiffened 
when she felt a scroll of paper tucked into her belt. Someone had also left a lantern beside her, and it took only a few moments for Selena to get it lit and nestled into the dune. Kneeling before the dim light, she unrolled the paper with shaking hands. It was in Ansel's handwriting, and wasn't long. I'm sorry that had to end this way. The master said it would be easier to let you go like this, rather than shame you by publicly asking you to leave early. Casita is yours, as is the master's letter of approval, which is in the saddlebag. Go home. I will miss you, Ansel. Selena read the letter three times to make sure she hadn't missed something. She was being let go. But why? She had the letter of approval, at least, but... But what had she done that made it so urgent to get rid of her, that he'd drug her and then dump her in the middle of the desert? She had five days left. He couldn't have waited for her to leave. Her eyes burned as she sorted through the events of the past few days for ways she might have offended the master. She got to her feet and rifled through the saddlebags until she pulled out the letter of approval. It was a folded square of paper, sealed with sea-green wax, the color of the master's eyes. A little vain, but... Her fingers hovered over the seal. If she broke it, then Arobin might accuse her of tampering with the letter. But what if it said horrid things about her? Ansel said it was a letter of approval, so it couldn't be that bad. Selena tucked the letter back into the saddlebag. Perhaps the master had also realized that she was spoiled and selfish. Maybe everyone had just been tolerating her, and maybe they'd heard of her fight with Ansel and decided to send her packing. It wouldn't surprise her. They were looking out for their own, after all. Never mind that for a while, she had felt like one of their own. Felt, for the first time in a long, long while, like she had a place where she belonged. Where she might learn something more than deceit and how to end lives. But she'd been wrong. Somehow, realizing that hurt far worse than the beating Arobin had given her. Her lips trembled but she squared her shoulders and scanned the night sky until she found the stag and the crowning star that led north. Sighing, Selena blew out the lantern, mounted Casita, and rode into the night. She rode toward Zandria, opting to find a ship there instead of braving the northern trek across the singing sands to Yerpa, the port she'd originally sailed into. Without a guide, she didn't really have much of a choice. She took her time, often walking instead of riding Casita, who seemed as sad as she was to leave the silent assassins and their luxurious stables. The next day, she was a few miles into her late afternoon trek when she heard the thump, thump, thump. It grew louder, the movements now edged with clashing and clattering and deep voices. She hopped onto Casita's back and crested a dune. In the distance, at least two hundred men were marching straight into the desert. Some bore red and black banners. Lord Barrick's men. They marched in a long column, with mounted soldiers galloping along the flanks. Though she had never seen Barrick, a quick examination of the host showed no signs of a lord being present. He must have stayed behind. But there was nothing out here. 
Nothing except for... Selena's mouth went dry. Nothing except for the assassin's fortress. A mounted soldier paused his writing, his black mare's coat gleaming with sweat. He stared toward her. With her white clothes concealing all of her but her eyes, he had no way of identifying her. No way of telling what she was. Even from the distance, she could see the bow and quiver of the arrows he bore. How good was his aim? She didn't dare to move. The last thing she needed was the attention of all those soldiers on her. They all possessed broadswords, daggers, shields, and arrows. This definitely wasn't going to be a friendly visit. Not with this many men. Was that why the master had sent her away? Had he somehow known this would happen and didn't want her caught up in it? Selena nodded to the soldier and continued riding towards Zandria. If the master didn't want anything to do with her, then she certainly didn't need to warn them. Especially since he probably knew. And he had a fortress full of assassins. Two hundred soldiers were nothing compared to seventy or so of the Sezi's Sioux cast. The assassins could handle themselves. They didn't need her. They'd made that clear enough. Still, the muffled thump of Casita's steps away from the fortress became more and more difficult to bear. The next morning, Zandria was remarkably quiet. At first, Selena thought it was because the citizens were all waiting for news about the attack on the assassins. But she soon realized she found it quiet because she had only seen it on market day. The winding, narrow streets that had been crammed with vendors were now empty, littered with errant palm fronds and piles of sand that slithered in the fierce winds from the sea. She bought passage on a ship that would sail to Amir, the port in Melisande across the Gulf of Oro. She'd hoped for a ship to Inish, another port, so she could inquire after a young reader she'd met on her journey here. But there were none. And with the embargo on ships from Zandria going to other parts of Otterland's empire, a distant, forgotten port like Amir would be her best bet. From there, she'd travel on Casita back to Rifthold, hopefully catching another boat somewhere on the long arm of the Avery River that would take her the last leg to the capital. The ship didn't leave until high tide that afternoon, which left Selena with a few hours to wander the city. The spider silk merchant was long gone, along with the cobbler and the temple priestesses. Nervous the mayor would be identified in the city, but more worried that someone would steal Casita if she left her unguarded, Selena led the horse through back alleys until she found a near-private trough for Casita. Selena leaned against a sandstone wall as her horse drank her fill. Had Lord Barrick's men reached the fortress yet? At the rate they were going, they would probably arrive this night or early tomorrow morning. She just hoped the master was prepared, and that he had at least restocked the flaming wall after the last attack from Barrick. Had he sent her away for her own safety? Or was he about to be blindsided? She glanced up at the palace towering over the city. Barrick hadn't been with his men. Delivering the mute master's head to the king of Otterlin would surely get the embargo lifted from his city. Was he doing it for the sake of his people? Or for himself? But the Red Desert also needed the assassins. And the money and the trade the foreign emissaries brought in, too. 
Barrick and the Master had certainly been communicating in the past few weeks. What had gone wrong? Ansel had made another trip a week ago to see him, and hadn't mentioned trouble. She'd seemed quite jovial, actually. Selena didn't really know why a chill snaked down her spine in that moment, or why she found herself suddenly digging through the saddlebags until she pulled out the master's letter of approval, along with the note Ansel had written her. If the master had known about the attack, he would have been fortifying his defenses already. He wouldn't have sent Selena away. She was Otterland's greatest assassin, and if 200 men were marching on his fortress, he'd need her. The master wasn't proud, not like Arobin. He truly loved his disciples. He looked after and nurtured them. But he'd never trained Ansel. Why? And with so many of his loved ones in the fortress, why send only Selena away? Why not send them all? Her heart beat so fast it stumbled, and Selena tore open the letter of approval. It was blank. She flipped the paper over. The other side was also blank. Holding it up to the sun revealed no hidden ink, no watermark. But it had been sealed by him, hadn't it? That was his seal on the... It was easy to steal a signet ring. She'd done it with Captain Rolf, and she'd seen the white line around the master's finger. His ring had been missing. But if Ansel had drugged her and given her a document sealed with the master's signet ring... No, it wasn't possible, and it didn't make sense. Why would Ansel send her away and pretend the master had done it? Unless... Selena looked up at Lord Barrick's palace. Unless Ansel hadn't been visiting Lord Barrick on behalf of the master at all. Or maybe she had at first, long enough to gain the master's trust. But while the master thought she was mending the relationships between them... Ansel was really doing quite the opposite, and that spider silk merchant had mentioned something about a spy among the assassins. A spy working for Barrick. But why? Selena didn't have time to ponder it, not with two hundred men so close to the fortress. She might have questioned Lord Barrick, but that too would take precious time. One warrior might not make a difference against two hundred, but she was Selena Sardothian. That had to count for something. That did count for something. So she mounted Casita and turned her toward the city gates. Let's see how fast you can run, she whispered into the mare's ear, and took off. Chapter 11 Like a shooting star across a red sky, Casita flew over the dunes and made the jump across the cleaver as if she were leaping over a brook. They paused only long enough for the horse to rest and fill up on water. And though Selena apologized to the mare for pushing her so hard, Casita never faltered. She, too, seemed to sense the urgency. They rode through the night until the crimson dawn broke over the dunes and smoke stained the sky and the fortress spread before them. Fires burned here and there, and shouts rang out, along with the clashing of weapons. The assassins hadn't yielded yet, though their walls had been breached. A few bodies littered the sand leading up to the gates, but the gates themselves showed no sign of a forced entry. 
as if someone had left them unlocked. Selena dismounted Casita before the final dune, leaving the horse to either follow or find her own path, and crept the rest of the way into the fortress. She paused long enough to swipe a sword from a dead soldier and tuck it into her belt. It was cheaply made and unbalanced, but the point was sharp enough to do the job. From the muffled clopping of hooves behind her, she knew Casita had followed. Still, Selena didn't dare take her eyes away from the scene before her as she drew her two long daggers. Inside the walls, bodies were everywhere, assassin and soldier alike. Otherwise, the main courtyard was empty, its little rivers now flowing red. She tried her best not to look too closely at the faces of the fallen. Fires smoldered, most of them just smoking piles of ash. Charred remnants of arrows revealed that they'd probably been ablaze when they hit. Every step into the courtyard felt like a lifetime. The shouts and clanging weapons came from other parts of the fortress. Who was winning? If all the soldiers had gotten in with so few dead on the sand, then someone had to have let them in, probably in the dead of night. How long had it taken before the Night Watch spotted the soldiers creeping inside? Unless the Night Watch had been dispatched before they could sound the alarm. But, as Selena took step after step, she realized that the question she should be asking was far worse. Where is the Master? That was what Lord Beric had wanted. The Master's head. And Ansel. Selena didn't want to finish that thought. Ansel hadn't sent her away because of this. Ansel couldn't be behind this. But... Selena started sprinting for the master's greeting room, heedless of the noise. Blood and destruction were everywhere. She passed courtyards full of soldiers and assassins, locked in deadly battle. She was halfway up the stairs to the master's room, when a soldier came rushing down them, his blade drawn. She ducked the blow for her head and struck low and deep, her long dagger burying itself into his gut. With the heat, the soldiers had forgone metal armor, and their leather armor couldn't turn a blade made with Otterlanian steel. She jumped aside as he groaned and tumbled down the steps. She didn't bother sparing him a final look as she continued her ascent. The upper level was completely silent. Her breath sharpened her throat. She careened toward the open doors of the greeting room. The two hundred soldiers were meant to destroy the fortress and provide a distraction. The master could have been unguarded with everyone focused on the attack. But he was still the master. How could Ansel expect to best him? Unless she used that drug on him as well. How else would she be able to disarm him and catch him unawares? Selena hurled herself through the open wooden doors, and nearly tripped on the body prostrate between them. Mikhail lay on his back, his throat slit, eyes staring up at the tiled ceiling. Dead. Beside him was Ilias, struggling to rise as he clutched his bleeding belly. Selena bit back her cry, and Ilias raised his head, blood dripping from his lips. She made to kneel beside him, but he grunted, pointing to the room ahead. To his father. The master lay on his side atop the dais, his eyes open and his robe still unstained by blood. 
but he had the stillness of one drugged, paralyzed by whatever Ansel had given him. The girl stood over him, her back to Selena as she talked, swift and quiet, babbling. She clenched her father's sword in one hand, the bloodied blade drooping toward the floor. The master's eyes shifted to Selena's face, then to his son. They were filled with pain. Not for himself, but for Ilias, for his bleeding boy. He looked back to Selena's face, his sea-green eyes now pleading. Save my son. Ansel took a deep breath, and the sword rose in the air, making to slice off the master's head. Selena had a heartbeat to flip the knife in her hands. She cocked her wrist and let it fly. The dagger slammed into Ansel's forearm, exactly where Selena had aimed. Ansel let out a cry, her fingers splaying. Her father's sword clattered to the ground. Her face went white with shock as she whirled, clutching the bleeding wound. But the expression shifted into something dark and unyielding as she beheld Selena. Ansel scrambled for her fallen blade. But Selena was already running. Ansel grabbed her sword, dashing back to the master and lifting it high over her head. She plunged the sword toward the master's neck. Selena managed to tackle her before the blade struck, sending them both crashing to the floor. Cloth and steel and bone, twisting and rolling. She brought her legs up high enough to kick Ansel. The girl split apart, and Selena was on her feet the moment she stopped moving. But Ansel was already standing, her sword still in her hands, still between Selena and the paralyzed master. The blood from Ansel's arm dripped to the floor. They panted, and Selena steadied her reeling head. Don't do it, she breathed. Ansel let out a low laugh. I thought I told you to go home. Selena drew the sword from her belt. If only she had a blade like Ansel's, not some bit of scrap metal. It shook in her hands as she realized who, exactly, stood between her and the master. Not some nameless soldier, not some stranger, or a person she'd been hired to kill, but Ansel. Why? Selena whispered. Ansel cocked her head, raising her sword a bit higher. Why? Selena had never seen anything more hideous than the hate that twisted Ansel's face. Because Lord Barrick promised me a thousand men to march into the Flatlands. That's why. Stealing those horses was exactly the public excuse he needed to attack this fortress. And all I had to do was take care of the guards and leave the gate open last night. And bring him this. She gestured with her sword to the master behind her. The master's head. She ran an eye up and down Selena's body and Selena hated herself for trembling further. Put down your sword, Selena. Selena didn't move. Go to hell. Ansel chuckled. I've been to hell. I spent some time there when I was twelve, remember? And when I'm marching to the flatlands with Barrick's troops, I'll see to it that High King Locke sees a bit of hell, too. But first... She turned to the master, and Selena sucked in a breath. Don't, Selena said. From this distance, Ansel would kill him before she could do anything to stop her. Just look the other way, Selena. 
Ansel stepped closer to the man. If you touch him, I'll put this sword through your neck, Selena snarled. The words shook, and she blinked away the building moisture in her eyes. Ansel looked over her shoulder. I don't think you will. Ansel took another step closer to the master, and Selena's second dagger flew. It grazed the side of Ansel's armor, leaving a long mark before it clattered to a stop at the foot of the dais. Ansel paused, giving Selena a faint smile. You missed. Don't do it. Why? Selena put a hand over her heart, tightly gripping her sword with the other. Because I know what it feels like. She dared another step. Because I know how it feels to have that kind of hate, Ansel. I know how it feels. And this isn't the way. This, she said louder, gesturing to the fortress and all the corpses in it, all the soldiers and assassins still fighting. This is not the way. Says the assassin, Ansel spat. I've become an assassin because I had no choice. But you have a choice, Ansel. You've always had a choice. Please don't kill him. Please don't make me kill you, was what she truly meant to say. Ansel shut her eyes. Selena steadied her wrist, testing the balance of her blade, trying to get a sense of its weight. When Ansel opened her eyes, there was little of the girl she'd grown to care for over the past month. These men, Ansel said, her sword rising higher. These men destroy everything. I know. You know, and yet you do nothing. You're just a dog changed to your master. She closed the distance between them, her sword lowering. Selena almost sagged with relief, but didn't lighten her grip on her own blade. Ansel's breathing was ragged. You could come with me. She brushed back a strand of Selena's hair. The two of us alone could conquer the Flatlands. And with Lord Barrick's troops... Her hand grazed Selena's cheek, and Selena tried not to recoil at the touch and at the words that came out of Ansel's mouth. I would make you my right hand. We'd take the Flatlands back. I can't, Selena answered. Even though she could see Ansel's plan with perfect clarity, even if it was tempting. Ansel stepped back. What does Rifthold have that's so special? How long will you bow and scrape for that monster? I can't go with you, and you know it. So take your troops and leave, Ansel. She watched the expressions flitter across Ansel's face. Hurt, denial, rage. So be it, Ansel said. She struck, and Selena only had time to tilt her head to dodge the hidden dagger that shot out of Ansel's wrist. The blade grazed her cheek, and blood warmed her face. Her face. Ansel swiped with her sword, so close that Selena had to flip herself backward. She landed on her feet, but Ansel was fast and near enough that Selena could only bring up her blade. Their swords met. Selena spun, shoving Ansel's sword from hers. Ansel stumbled, and Selena used the moment to gain the advantage. Striking again and again, Ansel's superior blade was hardly impacted. They passed the prostrate master and the dais. 
Selena dropped to the ground, swiping at Ansel with a leg. Ansel leapt back, dodging the blow. Selena used the precious seconds to snatch her fallen dagger from where it lay on the dais steps. When Ansel struck again, she met the crossed blades of Selena's sword and dagger. Ansel let out a low laugh. How do you imagine this ending? She pressed Selena's blades. Or is it a fight to the death? Selena braced her feet against the floor. She'd never known Ansel was so strong, or so much taller than her. And Ansel's armor, how would she get through that? There was a joint between the armpit and the ribs, and then around her neck. You tell me, Selena said. The blood from her cheek slid down her throat. You seem to have everything planned. I tried to protect you. Ansel shoved hard against Selena's blades, but not strongly enough to dislodge them. And you came back anyway. You call that protection? Drugging me and leaving me in the desert? Selena bared her teeth. But before she could launch another assault, Ansel struck with her free hand, right across the X made by their weapons, her fist slamming between Selena's eyes. Selena's head snapped back, the world flashing, and she landed hard on her knees. Her sword and dagger clattered to the floor. Ansel was on her in a second, her bloodied arm across Selena's chest the other hand pressing the edge of her sword against Selena's unmarred cheek. Give me one reason not to kill you right here. Ansel whispered into her ear, kicking away Selena's sword. Her fallen dagger still lay near them, just out of reach. Selena struggled, trying to put some distance between Ansel's sword and her face. Oh, how vain can you be, Ansel said and Selena winced as the sword dug into her skin. Afraid I'll scar your face. Ansel angled the sword downward, the blade now biting into Selena's throat. What about your neck? Stop it. I didn't want it to end this way between us. I didn't want you to be a part of this. Selena believed her. If Ansel wanted to kill her, she would have done it already. If she wanted to kill the master, she would have done that already, too. And all of this waffling between sadistic hate and passion and regret. You're insane, Selena said. Ansel snorted. Who killed Mikhail? Selena demanded. Anything to keep her talking, to keep her focused on herself. Because just a few feet away lay her dagger. I did, Ansel said. A little of the fierceness faded from her voice. Her back pressed against Ansel's chest. Selena couldn't be sure without seeing Ansel's face, but she could have sworn the swords were tinged with remorse. When Barrack's men attacked, I made sure that I was the one who notified the master. The fool didn't sniff once at the water jug he drank from before he went to the gates. But then Mikhail figured out what I was doing and burst in here. Too late to stop the master from drinking, though. And then Ilias just got in the way. Selena looked at Ilias, who still lay on the ground, still breathing. The master watched his son, his eyes wide and pleading. If someone didn't staunch Ilias's bleeding, he'd die soon. The master's fingers twitched slightly, making a curving motion. How many others did you kill? Selena asked 
trying to keep Ansel distracted as the master made the motion again. A kind of slow, strange wriggling. Only them, and the three on the night watch. I let the soldiers do the rest. The master's finger twisted and slithered, like a snake. One strike, that was all it would take, just like the asp. Ansel was fast. Selena had to be faster. You know what, Ansel? Selena breathed, memorizing the motions she'd have to make in the next few seconds, imagining her muscles moving, praying not to falter, to stay focused. Ansel pressed the edge of the blade into Selena's throat. What, Selena? You want to know what the master taught me during all those lessons? She felt Ansel tense, felt the question distract her. It was all the opportunity she needed. This. Selena twisted, slamming her shoulder into Ansel's torso. Her bones connected against the armor with a jarring thud, and the sword cut into Selena's neck. But Ansel lost her balance and teetered back. Selena hit Ansel's fingers so hard they dropped the sword right into Selena's waiting hand. In a flash, like a snake turning in on itself, Selena pinned Ansel face down on the ground, her father's sword now pressed against the back of her neck. Selena hadn't realized how silent 